Good morning. Uh, Good morning. Yes. Okay. The scripture reading. (laughs) I forgot that people respond when you say good morning. Uh, The scripture reading today is from Hebrews 13, 1 through 6 and 11 through 16. Uh, It can be found on page 6 of your bulletin. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing, for by doing, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were with them in their in prison, and, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed should be kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most, high, most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking at the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continuously offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of the lips that openly professes his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such such sacrifices, God is pleased. Buenos días. La lectura de hoy viene del libro de los Hebreos. Sigan amándose unos a otros fraternalmente. No se olviden de practicar la hospitalidad, pues gracias a ella, algunos, sin saberlo, hospedaron ángeles. Acuérdense de los presos como si ustedes fueran sus compañeros de cárcel, y también de los que son maltratados, como si fueran ustedes mismos los que sufren. Tengan todos en alta estima el matrimonio y la fidelidad conyugal, porque Dios juzgará a los adúlteros y a todos los que cometen inmoralidades sexuales, manténganse libres del amor al dinero y conténtense con lo que tienen, porque Dios ha dicho, nunca te dejaré, jamás te abandonaré. Así que podemos decir con toda confianza, el Señor es quien me ayuda y no temeré. ¿Qué me puede hacer un simple mortal? Porque el sumo sacerdote introduce la sangre de los animales en el lugar santísimo como sacrificio por el pecado. Pero los cuerpos de esos animales se queman fuera del campamento. Por eso también Jesús, para santificar al pueblo mediante su propia sangre, sufrió fuera de la puerta de la ciudad. Por lo tanto, salgamos a su encuentro fuera del campamento, llevando la deshonra que Él llevó. Pues aquí no tenemos una ciudad permanente, sino que buscamos la ciudad venidera. Así que ofrezcamos continuamente a Dios... Por medio de Jesucristo, un sacrificio de alabanza, es decir, el fruto de los labios que confiesan su nombre. No se olviden de hacer el bien y de compartir con otros lo que tienen, porque esos son los sacrificios que agradan a Dios. Before we continue, I'm noticing out there. 
uh, two of the newest members of our community that we just need to have introduced. So, Conforti family and neighbors family, can you please introduce your little ones to us? We would love to meet them. And who is that? And tell us a little bit about them. You're all right too, Dad, you know. <laughs> yeah. And neighbors. Who is this? This is Tobias James. April 21st. April 21st. Any quirks you're noticing already? Pretty chill. Chill? He's, 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 yeah, he is. He is. Well-loved already, taken care of, he's chilling, all right, well, well, congratulations and welcome, <laughs> Tobias and Hugh, welcome to the community, good to grow together in life and family and in faith. Uh, we're going to continue in our series on generosity, and one of the things we've been emphasizing is that generosity does include financial and material generosity, but it extends far beyond that. All different kinds and ways in which we can pour ourselves out lavishly upon others as God has done so with us in Christ. And so today we're going to look at one more way that we can do that, live generously. So let me say a word of prayer before we begin. I'll admit it, God, I, I feel inadequate to address so rich a topic, so important a topic today. And so what we're really banking on is not my equippedness, not even our ability to listen and understand, but we're banking on your spirit, whom we need, whom we cry out for, whom you generously pour out upon us. So we have great hope. And great freedom to know that you're going to be here and you're present in your word. So make it come alive to us. Help us to see and hear, not truth in general, but most especially to see and hear Jesus. In his name we pray. All God's people said together, amen, amen. The home was modest. It was warm might say cozy. Maybe it was the framed pictures of the beach all throughout the house that made the place feel something like an oasis, an outpost of grace in the world of wilderness. The food was always great, of course, a simple protein, steamed veggies, simple, but it was never about the food. When Nancy would ask, how are you? She always meant it. Uh, she'd wait for your response with eager, half-grinning curiosity. And when you'd share about some disappointment or struggle, when you told her that things were hard, she'd say, of course they are, with knowing empathy. Uh, the kind that made your struggling, broken self feel normal again. 
This was a taste of home, if there ever was a word to describe it. Actually, it was home away from home. For many of us working 20-somethings at that time in college and graduate students who were hundreds and in some cases thousands of miles away from our families of origin. But truth be told, for some of us, it was the home we never had. It was an experience of family. That's why some of us would cheekily call her mom. She wasn't just a person. She was an experience of acceptance, of love. When I think of Nancy, I think of generous, restorative hospitality. Hospitality. Do you have anyone in your life that's given you such a gift? Any names and pictures and experiences, maybe even smells or tastes or sounds that you can almost recall like you're there again? Maybe it was just this past weekend. Hospitality. Christine Pohl, a professor at Asbury Theological Seminary, she's written extensively on the Christian practice of hospitality, and she writes this about its significance. Hospitality, she says, is a way of life fundamental to Christian identity. Do you see it that way? Hospitality is at the heart of Christian life, drawing from God's grace and reflecting God's graciousness. In hospitality, we respond to the welcome that God has offered and replicate that welcome to the world. If this is true, it's really worth studying and meditating on and living out, isn't it? This mysterious thing, this all-too-often-forgotten thing, as the passage says, don't forget to practice hospitality. But what is it? What does the Bible say? Why do we do it? How do we do it? Today's passage teaches us a few things. Number one, it teaches us that hospitality is, first and foremost, love. Pretty simple. Hospitality is love. Verse 2, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. You may not know that that phrase there, to show hospitality to strangers, is actually a translation of a single Greek word, one word. That means to treat strangers as friends. Love of strangers is the literal word there. Love. It's an ancient word that meant welcoming strangers into your home and offering them food and shelter and protection. We'll get to the rest of that in a second. But at the heart of it, at the heart of hospitality, is love of giving yourself, of paying attention to people, of providing, of meeting needs. As it says in that verse at the bottom there, verse 16, don't forget to do good and share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. So what are you giving? What are you sharing? Think about what welcoming a person person entails 
I think you might find maybe six, maybe you come and come up with more, maybe fewer, six elements in hospitality, in, in sharing your life, your home, your space with people. Uh, number one, you're sharing shelter. You're, uh, of course, physical shelter. People without a roof over their head or perhaps people needing a place to hide for a little bit. Uh, there's a shelter of the building, but there's also the shelter of relationships, what you might call emotional shelter. Uh, maybe a person that needs uh, uh, the comfort of genuine relationship. Maybe they're struggling in an abusive situation. Uh, maybe they just need safety for a time. There's also, secondly, the act of feeding. Hospitality is feeding. There's food, but more than just physical nourishment, there's also emotional and relational nourishment in hospitality. Conversation. Filling people with Words, encouragement, presence. There's rest. Sharing rest with people. It might be a literal bed, but maybe it's also mental rest. Giving people a place of peace. Being able to settle down a mind that's just been running at 100 miles per hour. Or stressed out about life in a broken world. Of course, this rest comes from a number of different sources. It might even be the gentle interior decorating of a home, the refreshment that comes from conversation. Things don't have to be nice, just restful, just peace-giving, a place where people can exhale. And of course, in a city that can be so fast-paced, a restful place of hospitality is a place where time can finally slow down. In a status-driven city, rest can be a place where people aren't asking you what you just do for a living, but conversations where people really want to get to know you, who you are. Fourthly, a sense of belonging. This sense that these here are my people, a place that I can feel at home in. It's more than just being comfortable, though it's that. It's a sense of fitting in, belonging. We all long for a place of belonging, don't we? Hospitality conveys a sense of value. The guests that we bring in into our lives, we're communicating to them that they matter. We're reestablishing dignity, taking time to talk, to respect, to listen to stories, to give people our full and focused attention in such a way where our guests don't feel like they're just an interruption to something else that we'd rather be doing or that we were doing, nor an imposition because it's a joy to give ourselves in this sort of way. Doesn't mean a long time, but a focused time. And sometimes it also means letting the guest contribute to contributing stories or maybe a helping hand, being a part of life in the home. Of course, that is part of what it means to belong, not just to receive, but to be valued as a gifted, love-filled person that also can serve even as a guest. Shelter, feeding, rest, belonging, value, and of course, friendship. Offering friendship, opening our lives, not just our homes. Making your life 
visible, including the mess that it is. To treat one another as brothers and sisters and family. You know it is possible to invite people into your home without inviting them into your lives. This is the call to friendship as well. Friends, hospitality, if we can bundle it all up, is love. Simple love, radical love. It's generosity. If we just tease out some of the implications here, it's really a fascinating thing. To understand, first of all, that hospitality, as Chelsea mentioned earlier, is is much, much more than just entertaining. Dinner parties with a few special friends, it might include that. But it's also more than, it's about more than what we often call the hospitality industry, restaurants and hotels, and some of you may work in those areas of life and spheres of work, and that's important too. Hospitality is also more than just the simple act of having people in your home. In fact, sometimes it may even involve something besides your home. Because you can offer hospitality in a church. You can offer hospitality even in your workplace. Whatever space and relationships belong to you that you're drawing people into. Hospitality is focused on, on people, their needs. Not just the details, though that can matter. That can be a way to serve people. But it's not about how I'm doing and not just about what I'm cooking and whether this thing measures up, whether I'm doing it right, whether Martha Stewart would approve. How easily our hospitality becomes an effort to impress our guests. And all this, of course, is good news. It's good news. If this is what the Bible says hospitality is, is, to provide and share shelter and feeding and rest and belonging and value and friendship, then that means that every single one of us here today can practice generous hospitality. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how big your living space is and maybe you don't even have one that you can call your own at all. Everyone can participate in this joy because as this Danish proverb says, if there's room in the heart, there is room in the house. You may not have much room in your physical space, but if you've got a lot of room in your heart, in your life, and you want to share that and invite people into you, then you can practice hospitality. God is present in the midst of even the most ordinary of activities. A little smile and welcome, a gesture of bringing someone on in, giving people a comfortable couch, or maybe just a warm place to stand and talk face to face. It might be food, it might be a bed to sleep on, it might be a fridge to rummage through, it might be a vacuum to hold and to help clean with. Hospitality makes your house and all the ordinary things in your house holy ground. Because when we do it as Jesus has done it unto us, he is present. You might be serving as host, but in the backdrop of your own home is the host of all hosts, Jesus himself, offering his welcome to people through you. What an honor. 
And to think that God does it not just through ordinary things, but even through messy things. It's so inviting. This is good news. You can do it. Gosh, my place is a wreck. You can do it too. Because God even works through the messy things of our world. Recently read this from one Christian blogger, author, really thoughtful little piece on what he calls scruffy hospitality. Scruffy hospitality. Listen to this. He says, friendship is about preparing a space for authentic conversation. And sometimes authenticity happens when everything is a bit scruffy. Scruffy hospitality means you're not waiting for everything in your house to be in order before you host and serve friends in your home. Scruffy hospitality means you hunger more for good conversation and serving a simple meal of what you have, not what you don't have. Scruffy hospitality means you're more interested in quality conversation the impression your, than the impression your home or lawn makes. If we only share meals with friends when we're excellent, he writes, we aren't truly sharing life together. Don't allow a to-do list to disqualify you from an evening with people you're called to love in friendship. When we tell, I mean, we tell, this is good, we tell our guests, come as you are, perhaps we should tell ourselves, host as you are. Because the goal is to draw people into you, your life, your relationships, your surroundings. Hospitality is love, but secondly, hospitality is loving strangers. Yes, verse 1 does say, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. So, of course, there is this call to love those around you. Brothers and sisters in the family of faith, friends, those immediately around you. But notice the focus of verse 2 in this passage actually is the love of strangers. I mentioned it before in verse 2. The word there literally is love of strangers. Hospitality is to love strangers as friends. So who are strangers? Of course, it begins with literally people that you don't know. Are you drawing them in? Not just those that you know, not just those that you're familiar with or close to, or things that you, people that you have things in common with, but people you don't know, people that aren't maybe a natural fit, people with whom you can't really predict, predict for sure that you're going to have a good time. But that's okay, because it ain't about you, is it? Who are strangers? There's a deeper meaning, even beyond people you don't know. Again, Dr. Paul helps us here. She says, strangers are people without a place. A stranger is someone who's disconnected from basic life-sustaining relationships that give people a secure place in the world. Historically, from biblical times on, that has always meant the poor, the sick, the disabled, the disenfranchised, the oppressed. You know, this was Jesus' emphasis in places like Luke 14, you remember? When he's sitting down with a guest and he tells this story in a teaching. And he says, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, 
Do not invite your friends, your brothers, or relatives, or your rich neighbors. If they do, if you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. From the beginning, hospitality was meant for people who can't return the favor. This was actually the emphasis in the first 1,500 years of church history in its practice of hospitality. First of all, it was a central practice. We've lost that in modern times. But this emphasis on the broken and needy as the objects of our love was always the common practice. Again, Dr. Paul tells us this, that in the first centuries, Christian hospitality, therefore, was a a central witness to the truth of the gospel and to its transforming power. Those who defended the faith before hostile rulers argued that Christian welcome to strangers and across social boundaries marked the gospel as authentic and true. Did you hear that? In the earliest days of the Christian faith, how did you know that the good news about salvation in Christ was true? You saw it in the way that Christians invited people into their homes. You saw it in whom they invited into their homes. But something changed, we're told, during the late Middle Ages and especially in the 17th and 18th centuries as homes became more privatized. It's my space. As hotels and hospitals became places where strangers were taken care of, suddenly hospitality became identified with lavish entertaining of people just like me. Entertaining of the rich and powerful, serving to reinforce power and influence in the themes of crossing cultures and socioeconomic boundaries was almost completely lost. And isn't this actually how, quote-unquote, hospitality so often is practiced today? This is not a word of condemnation. It's a heads-up to notice it, folks, to see how we typically practice this. Because hospitality so easily becomes and has become an art in safe self-validation of feeding myself and my needs, of social climbing. Hospitality so easily can just be for self-promotion or status reinforcement. But if we get it right, as Scripture has it before us, we can understand that hospitality is love of strangers. This is what it ought to be. So who are strangers? People without a place, people without a people. So within the community, it might just simply be people that you don't know. You looking for people that you don't yet have a relationship with to draw them into your life and relationship. It might be people outside of the community. Maybe it's neighbors that you're drawing in. Uh, Maybe it's neighbors specifically that don't have a home. It might be the homeless. It might be a refugee from another place. It might even be enemies, you know, that you might consider 
enemies? Them are strangers too, right? I mean, when was the last time that you said, you know, I really don't get along with that person, so I really need to have them over for dinner? If you're in Christ, isn't this the story of the gospel that you, a former enemy, enemy, are now seated at God's table? Strangers might be, well, people who are more or less strange to you, unlike you. As I said before, the Christian historic practice of hospitality was always inviting in and drawing in and sharing life with what you might call racial strangers, people of different ethnic and cultural backgrounds, or socioeconomic strangers, people that come from a very different power or economic background from yourself. Strangers might also include the elderly, who increasingly are disconnected from mainstream society today, forgotten all too often, sadly so. Sometimes it might be people right around you that you take for granted, but who actually don't have real relational contact with people. Maybe teens in the neighborhood that are sort of alienated. It might be people with disabilities, uh, people that have a home to live in physically, but don't yet feel at home. Who are the strangers in your life that you can invite on in? Who are the strangers even in the very pew maybe that you're sitting in that you can invite on in? Who are the people without a place, the people without a people that you can share life with and to invite on in? And just to say it again, the Bible is not saying don't ever invite people just like yourself. Don't love your friends. Don't care for your family members. Of course, that's included. Again, verse 1, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do that as well. But are we learning to integrate this vision for hospitality as love for strangers in our social and ministry mix? That's the question. And do we understand that if we dare to do this, just how socially subversive, even countercultural, this actually can be? Dr. Pohl again notes that Christian hospitality from the beginning has always had a subversive dimension. That especially when the larger society disregards or dishonors certain persons, small acts of respect and welcome are potent beyond themselves. They point to a system of valuing people differently. An alternate model of relationships. Where you are saying... The world might say you are forgotten or not important. The world might disregard your disconnectedness from relationship. But God in Christ has not forgotten you. And this welcome and this love and this sharing is what I, through my modest, humble, broken, flawed means, offer to you in hospitality. Don't you see? Hospitality models and shows who matters. Who's a guest worthy of your home and your life? Hospitality shows who matters to us. And that's why who you have in your home really does reveal what you believe in the gospel. It's a powerful thing. It really is 
a powerful thing. And that's why we need to say, thirdly, that hospitality is not only love. Hospitality is not only love of strangers. Hospitality is being loved by Jesus. Because how are you going to do this, friends? How are you going to love like this? But to know the one who himself has given you all these things and more. That he's given you shelter. Yes, maybe the temporal blessing of physical shelter, but he has sheltered you with himself. The king who has promised to protect you from all ultimate harm. That he's provided for you feeding physically, yes, your daily bread, but also nourishment from your soul. He calls you, he calls himself the bread of life. Eat of me and you will have eternal life. He gives you rest, a place where you can lay your soul Where he bears your burdens and says, I will carry it for you. Where he gives you a sense of belonging because he calls you into his family. And he tells you that he's not ashamed to call you his brother, his sister. Where he tells you you matter and he has ascribed upon you rich value. Not only the great image of God that marks you out as a person of dignity... But as a child worth dying for, laying down his life in love for you, not counting your story an interruption to his, but everything that he's willing to divert his story to make you a part of himself. That he might extend to you friendship, making his life visible to you, inviting you into friendship with the living God as we sung earlier. This is just the amazing thing of all amazing things that you and I, through Christ, can be the friend of God. And how did he provide this for us, this grand eternal hospitality in the gospel, but by the cross? You see, in verse 11, we're told that in the Old Testament, the high priest would carry the blood of animals as a symbolic sacrifice, burning the bodies outside the camp, outside of the community, cast out from the presence of relationship. And in the same way we're told in verse 12 here, so also Jesus suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. How is it that Jesus offered this hospitality to us but by making himself an eternal outcast? To subjecting himself to the wrath of the Father, disconnected from the eternal hospitable love shared from Father and Son, that with that rupture on the cross and judgment in our place, He would cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me, inhospitable to me, treating me like an enemy for the sins of our souls? The eldest son of the household being treated as a stranger, cosmically, judicially, that you and I 
who belong on the outside of the camp of God might trade places by grace and be brought into the camp, into the presence of God, into his household, into his favor, into his welcome, into his hospitality. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. And as our souls and hearts are transformed by this reality, this is when our hearts become uncorked and our grip on our stuff becomes loosened and we begin to understand a little bit of what it means to say that we might have small homes, but by Jesus, big hearts ready to invite people on in. So what does this look like practically what does it look like? It might mean inviting neighbors this week into your home. It might mean starting small. It might mean doing it in groups. Spring and summer, right around the corner, a good time to do some cookouts and barbecues. But to do it with intentionality, gathering together a mix of people. Of course, with friends and people whom you love. But then banded together to draw others from the outside in. With intentionality. With even some sacrifice, you know? Because when you're inviting a guest in, it's okay if you're not the only one getting attention, isn't it? To understand that maybe you throw some potluck dinners, an opportunity for group or shared hospitality so no one bears the burden themselves. And of course, when having people over to know that hospitality in the gospel means paying attention to the other person. You're looking for ways to make them feel like they belong, for them to feel valued. So maybe it means serving different food than you normally might serve. Maybe it means inviting additional guests. Maybe the guest list entirely is different. Maybe your conversation is about different topics. You're not just letting yourself run with what's normal to you because love is a disruption of normal for the sake of someone else. It might mean walking with someone who's new to the Christian faith because they feel like a stranger to things. You know, some of you feel this way where you're able to help walk alongside and direct translating hard language and terms, maybe even things I've said that are totally opaque to this friend. Maybe walking them through the community or maybe walking them through the Bible. It might mean joining the welcome team who you know do much more than just pass out bulletins their job is to help people feel at home. It might mean jumping into the meal team who serve up some incredible food. Have you been to these meals once a month, second Sunday suppers? You've really got to. But you'll understand that it's about far more than just food, more than meals. It's about love. It's about drawing strangers in. Maybe it's meeting someone up here and bringing them down there. Maybe hospitality means volunteering to host a neighborhood group in your own home. Maybe it means supporting the host of your neighborhood group by helping to make their place a hospitable place for others. Hospitality might mean caring deeply about the crisis and need of affordable housing in our neighborhood and in our city as well. Now that maybe if you're convinced just how significant, deeply, spiritually, emotionally, existentially significant 
hospitality can be that you're starting to see, wow, having a home and a roof, it's more than shelter, it's a home. And so you're willing now to get invested, to advocate, to invest, maybe even financially, to help lead our church's effort in exploring what it means to be hospitable through affordable housing. Maybe it means picking up on Chelsea's invitation to look into safe families. Because you want to not just draw people in, but draw people that really are in crisis in kids and others. To open up your home, even for a short time and maybe for an extended time. To help them along, to give a place of safety and shelter, value and friendship. Maybe it means starting with simply reorienting your life. To think that if we're really going to start practicing hospitality, we need to do more than just clear out our schedules or think that we just need to add one more thing, but maybe more of life needs to be oriented around the possibility and the joy of inviting people in. It's a noble call. It's a crazy call. Some of you are saying, my place is too small. I hope you're hearing. It doesn't matter how big your place. You might have a place that can barely fit one other person. Praise God that you can draw that one in. And not that your place needs to be snazzy and nice because the goal is to invite them into you. Keep in mind... As one person has said, when hospitality is viewed as entertainment, the house is never ready. And so we draw people in, into life, into pizza. You know, if you don't like to cook, grab a pizza, offer it with joy and without apology. And live life in community. If your family's with kids... And you just feel like we're just out of bandwidth. You know, you're actually the most equipped. You're, you're actually used to interruptions and used to never getting things done, right? <laughs> so come on in. Jump on in. And maybe grab a kid or two while you're at it. Hospitality. God give us grace to do it. Let's pray. Jesus, we long to know not just how to do this, but most of all, to experience the hospitality of Christ in the gospel. Help us to know as, uh, ourselves as those who are called into your favor, your smile. Help us to know you as the fount of every blessing poured into our lives with generosity. And help it now to overflow in our homes and our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.